Well, welcome, everybody. Can you hear me? Am I live? Well, it's great to see everybody. Thank you for joining us today for our Bible study fellowship. Um, I'm sure we'll have some more people next week. Um, just wonderful seeing you all, Dave. Thank you for that little um, jig there. That was special. <laughs> you thinking maybe next week something something similar? <laughs> oh dear. Okay, I don't know what we've started here. <laughs> well, it's good to see you all. Um, today I'm just bringing a short devotion just to encourage our hearts and to thank the Lord for the time that we can be together. So this is the first time that I'll be speaking in front of the congregation for six months. So I can't see your faces, eh? so I need some expressions so that I can, so I can see if you're listening. Or there we go, some here. Um, but today's psalm is about joy. Um, so if you turn with me to Psalm 126, it's a short devotion about joy. I think appropriate for our time together. So why don't we pray? Let me just pray and then uh, we can start together. Father, we do thank you for this blessing, Lord. We have truly missed being able to see each other, being able to speak to each other. And we know things are a little different. But we know, Lord, that still you have promised that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We thank you for that promise, Lord, that despite the circumstances, despite the trials that we go through, we know, Lord, that you are still in control and that you are working all things, even the bad things, for your glory and for our joy. So we pray, Lord, that you would teach us today, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would fill us with much joy as we, as we worship you together this morning, this afternoon. So we pray for your help now. Help us to, to truly worship you, to have this experience that only we can have through the Spirit of God this, this evening. And um, may we not leave here without knowing that we have met with the Lord so we pray for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. So every one of my children have been born with different temperaments. Um, I won't tell you which one is which. You're welcome to guess if you like. But one of my children, when he was an infant, used to wake up with a, with a big smile on his face. You could walk into his room and he would be playing quietly, cooing and awing, smiling as if he was playing with some invisible angels. I won't tell you which one. Um, but my other child, my other son was completely different. When he woke up in the mornings, everyone had to be up as well at the same time. He was not happy to be alone. Um, he screamed for attention the minute his, his eyelids were opened. And I think all of us have different temperaments, isn't it? For one reason or another, there appear to be people who are more naturally wired to smile, who can wake up in the morning singing a, a cheery song and who look at their brick, breakfast cereal and simply clap their hands with delight. Um, I remember a, a Snoopy t-shirt that was popular when uh, Charlie Brown was the rage. And on the shirt it said there, I hate people who sing in the morning. Um, but then, of course, there are others who enjoy getting up early. Um, go figure. But some people are morning people. Some people are, are evening people. 
and some people seem to feel happier than others, and they, we're all wired differently, aren't we? And this psalm here refers a lot to joy. It doesn't mean the, the tendency that people have because of their temperament. That's not what this psalm is talking about. It's not talking about just being happy externally. The joy here is not this, this matter of temperament. Um, our natural temperaments, of course, can be influenced and manufactured by outside influences. So this psalm is not talking about external happiness. Instead, the joy that the psalm is talking about is a result of being restored by God. We see that in verse 1. Not happy because of our genetics, but happy because of what God has done. So if you take your Bibles, um, it's only six verses. We'll read the psalm together. Um, it will also be on the screen. You're welcome to read there as well. Verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has, great, has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So the context of this psalm is found in 2 Kings and again in Isaiah chapter 37 when Hezekiah, the king of Judah, he was attacked by Sennacherib and the Assyrian forces. And the enemy forces, they surrounded Jerusalem so the Jews had to protect themselves and their, their food supply, which they had been storing. And they already had lost an entire season of growing, as, as reaping and sowing. And so grain at this point was very precious. When the people went back to their farms after being delivered, they had to make a decision. Would they use their, their grain to feed their children? Or would they use the grain to sow it for the next harvest, the next season? And we see here in the passage in verse 6, the farmers wept because their sustenance had to go to the ground, not to their children. So we see this, the, this, the, the weeping going on here. So we see people here in this passage that are, that are sad. We see people here in this passage that are dealing with a terrible trial. And sometimes we tend to think that being happy is, you know, sometime pedestrian or, or being happy is, is, is for corny people. And the more miserable we are, the more profound or the more godly we must be. But I don't think that is the truth. And we see from this psalm here that nothing could be further from the truth. God's ultimate design for all of his children is to be joyful is to be relentlessly joyful. But how? That's the question, isn't it? How is this possible when everything around us is so bleak and so depressing and even dark at times? I'm sure you know of people, I have known people during this pandemic, even Christians who have been battling with depression, um, battling with being isolated, battling with being away from everybody during this pandemic. So here the psalmist tells us how. 
how we can find this joy. Notice what the, the psalmist says there in, in verse 5 and verse 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So notice there, God's people are sowing as they are weeping. We see the two verbs happening at the same time. But it tells us at the end of verse 6, when they reap, they will do it with joy. Notice there what the psalmist is telling us. Life is, is often difficult. Life is often full of struggles. And that may cause us to, to sow with tears. But that's not the end of the story. The story tells us that we will reap with joy. But we know non-Christians, we all have friends around us or even family who, who are non-believers. And we know that they find their joy in, in different things. Um, people go around and they're laughing and they seem on the outside very, very joyful. And often when they, they drink in alcohol, they're having a good time. But when troubles come, when the harvest comes, the Bible tells us that they will reap in sorrow. That they will reap in sorrow. Um, and there's a wonderful story here, a, a picture here for all of us. The sower here is, is every single one of us. Every single one of us are sowers. Each of us today is sowing a seed that will produce a harvest. What we sow is what we will reap. I often say that to my children who are being um, unkind to each other. What you sow is what you will, will reap at the end of the day. Um, some people sow to the flesh, isn't it? And Paul tells us in Galatians 6 that, that those who sow to the flesh will reap corruption. But Psalm 126 tells us to be careful what we sow and to be careful how we sow because we are the ones who will reap this harvest. So notice there in verse 1 and verse 4, there are, there's a parallel. Verse 1 says, When the Lord restored, or when, when God restored. And then verse 4 prays this prayer, Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Or please, God, restore. So the first part of this psalm is, is, a, is a dream. And that happens when God restores. And the second part of the psalm is, is how to live this dream, asking God to restore our fortunes. So that word fortune in verse 4, being restored, we see there, doesn't mean just luck. It doesn't mean chance. It's not saying, well, I've been playing the, the gaming tables and I finally got lucky. It's not saying I've been down and my luck is out, but finally I've had a lucky breakthrough. That's not the word here. The word fortune here um, mirrors the word restore. So when, when the Lord restored our fortunes, it means something like when God restored us to a restored situation. When God restored us to a restored situation. We find the, the same in verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Restore us to this restored situation. That's what it means. So this matter, the, this matters 
because people think that they are living the dream. People think that they are living the dream when they, when they buy a new car or when they go on a, on a fancy vacation or, or they get a whole new wardrobe from Gucci's. Did I say it right? No, Gucci. What, how's it? I keep saying it wrong. Gucci, sorry, okay. They think material things are going to bring them this joy, are going to restore their, their happiness, are going to make them feel better. But that's not the point here. Joy is, is not about financially living well or, or looking good. The joy that the Bible here is talking about is being restored back to the Lord. Being restored to the Lord as we should be, as we were designed to be. So if joy is being restored, what, what does it look like? What does it look like in our day-to-day -day lives? What sort of dream here is being described? Look at verse 2. Our mouth was filled with laughter. See the laughter clearly in your mind. Think of somebody who laughs often. When somebody laughs with, with, with their whole belly, I, I don't even need to know what they're laughing about. I just end up laughing at them um, because of the joy that, I, that we, we see in their, their faces. But, but have that picture in your mind here. We see that, that joy, that laughter here. Um, this is not just somebody you know, laughing behind their mask or laugh, laughing behind their hand. This is, a, this is not just a mild, happy laugh. This is a, a bursting out gut laughter here. Our mouth was filled with laughter. That's what it says in verse 2. You know, a wide mouth laughter is what the psalmist is describing this dream. Okay, And this joy makes us laugh so hard that there's nothing else left in, no, no other room left in your mouth uh, for anything else. Notice the word in verse 2, shouts there. Our tongue is filled with shouts of joy. Um, other translations um, change that word to songs, songs of joy. So if it's, it's shouting or if it's singing, the point is that the volume is, is high. The volume can lift the, the roof at a, at a sports stadium or at a, at a church building. This is the type of shouting that happens when, when your favorite football team scores a goal or when your favorite baseball team hits a home run or or when your child scores A's on their report card. That, that type of shout. That's what it looks like. Notice there in verse 2, there's more of a description here for us. It talks about a witness. And the Lord has done great things for them. So notice when, they, when they're laughing here really loud, or they're singing the, the, the songs really loudly, everyone around them is affected. Everyone stops what they're doing and looks at the laughter that is, that is happening in the room. Something's going on here. Something draws your attention to that, that laughter. And they want to be part of that. They want to see what's going on there. And the people of God are agreeing with this, with this verdict. The Lord has done great things. We are glad and people want to be part of this. They want part of this this action here. I do not think there is anyone who, if they truly understood this psalm, would not want this dream that has been described for us here. 
Whatever our temperament is, whether we are morning people or whether we are evening people, whatever our situation is, whether we are going through a tough time, whether we're going through a happy time, whether we're going through a a dark time or a, a joyful time, I don't think anybody does not desire to have this joy that the psalmist is talking about. That's so obvious for people to see. There's no way that we can reject this this joy. And this dream is described as God restoring his people. And that restoration is what is essential for joy. There cannot be joy without this restoration. And here we see the dream coming true in the second part of verse of this psalm. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negeb. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So we see a, a prayer happening here. And it's a prayer thanking the Lord for this this dream that has come true. We see there in verse 4, restore our fortunes, O Lord. And we see that that mirrored in verse 1 to 3, the the theme of fortune and the the theme of restoration. But the psalmist, having described the dream in the first half, is now showing us this model of how we are to be once we are restored. Uh, We see in verse 4, someone who's restored is like a stream. It's like a stream in the Negeb. Negeb means dry. It was the the southern part of of the city, which was hardly having any water at all. It was very, very dry. Um, So we see here these, these streams have been restored. Where there was no water, now there is. Where there were no plants, where there were no vegetation, now there is. Where there was no life, now there is, because these streams have been restored. And that's a wonderful picture here with the tears. We see in verse 5, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Those who weep, bearing the seed for, for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. So we see the contrast here. We see tears and we see joy. And then we see the psalmist asking God to restore his people back to that place of of joy. And they tell us that God's restoration is is a wonderful event. It's not just, oh well, we'll carry on getting on by. There is water overflowing in the desert. That's that's not a normal thing, <laughs> and that's not an easy thing. We all live in the desert. We know how precious water is. But there is joy that comes after the, the tears, after the, the crying. We know those who put their trust in God, that is our destiny. That's what we have to look forward to. God never promises that our life is going to be easy, but He does promise us that we will have an abundant life. So we may not be laughing and giggling all the time, but we will know what joy is because of our destiny that awaits us. 
Revelation chapter 21 tells us that one day God will wipe away all of our tears. One day death will be no more. And there will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. Because all those things have passed away. And that's a wonderful thought, isn't it? That is a wonderful thought. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, I found a quote that he spoke on about joy. And it's so relevant because Charles Spurgeon struggled with depression his whole ministry. He battled with depression. But he writes about joy here. He says, when there is no joy in the present... You can know that there is infinite joy in the future. When there is no joy in the present, you can know that there is infinite joy in the future. So infinite joy is on the horizon because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. We don't live a life that is, that is uh, defeated. Christ has risen from the dead. We who are, are found in Him will be raised one day with Him. This is a promise. And this promise is not dependent on our moods. This promise is not dependent on our external behavior, whether we, are, whether we have this propensity for, for giggling or not. This, this is not dependent on that. What it's dependent on is whether we have been restored to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the truth of the resurrection is our ultimate hope. It's our ultimate hope. And Spurgeon, he continues with his teaching on joy. He says, We wait with patience, constancy, desire, and submission. The joy is sure to come. We have no doubt about it. We have no doubt about it. And all of us have experienced dark times. These last couple of weeks have been... My, my children have seen me cry more than they ever have before. And there have been times where I thought the darkness will never lift. But I have to remind myself, I have to speak truth into myself, that this life is temporary, that my mom is with the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity, worshiping Him joyfully, happily like she's never done before. And those tears of, of weeping that have been cried by, by all of us, will be unwrapped over the years to joy. And of course, we don't wish sorrow upon on anybody. But this psalm is not true for God's people as, as a nation. It's not just for them. This psalm is for us. This psalm is especially and personally true for all of us that, that wrestle with sorrow, that wrestle with, with grief, that struggle with depression. And the tears we cry today will reap joyful harvest in due time. We just need to be constant and we need to be patient and we need to take heart and we need to remember our hope and we need to wait for the season when it will change. For seeds of sorrow to become sheaves of joy. There's obviously a time factor there, isn't there? I mean, if you know anything about farming, it doesn't your harvest doesn't spring up overnight. There's a, there's a season. And a, season, a, a farmer will, will plant seeds in the spring and he'll harvest crops 
in the, in the autumn. And we need to hold fast to this promise. And in faith, we need to sow our, our mustard seeds that the Lord has told us onto the soil that God will one day do what is necessary to bring these sheaves of spiritual bounty. Of course, we water our seeds with tears and we endure, we endure the sorrows. But all along, remember that picture here that we have. Those, those seeds are, are growing roots. Those seeds are growing roots. While we cannot see anything on the surface, those seeds are, are growing roots of faith that are being nourished under the ground. And while we sit on the rock of ages, we need to remember and trust that our hope is not dependent on the externals. Our joy is not dependent on our, our bank account. Our joy is not dependent on our employee. Our joy is not even dependent on a person. Our joy is dependent and anchored in the one who is making our desert like a garden of the Lord, as we read about in Isaiah. And just when we wonder if anything is happening at all, we start to see those, those little sprouts come out of the ground, those little signs of life. And the ground breaks and the stalks begin to grow. And we know that the weeping which led to the watering was not in vain. Praise the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this wonderful promise. Thank you that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And thank you, Lord, that all things happen for good, even the bad things. And you use all of our tears. You lose all of our pain to bring joy in the morning. So, Lord, please encourage our hearts. Lord, we have much to be joyful for tonight. Joyful that we can be together. Joyful that we can encourage each other once again. That we can be praying for each other. Thankful, Lord, that we are restored because of what your Son has done for us on Calvary. So we pray that you would even prepare our hearts for tomorrow, tomorrow as we gather together virtually to be reminded of, again, this wonderful gospel. And we pass this prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.